Episode 3 of the Star Wars Squadrons podcast. Had a little bit of a hiatus there over the last few weeks. You know, holidays and all that jazz. But we're back. I am one of your hosts, Time Bomb. With me every week, here is my other host, Green Fox Leader. How you doing, buddy? Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? Not too Good holidays, bad. I assume? Yeah, buddy. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. How about you? How are your holidays? Yeah, just uh, relaxing. A little eggnog, a little fire. <laughs> uh, we're chilling out with presents, all the usual stuff. I've been burning very small fires myself, getting those ones lit, pretty much having a great holiday. With us this week, we've got a great guest on. He's been with Green Fox every step of the way. He's a founding member of Aces 5. He helped to start up the Five Man's Discord, and as well as organizing the Calrissian Cup. And, hey, you may know him as a meme specialist on Reddit. Please... Welcome, Javen, to the podcast. Thanks for being on, buddy. Oh, it's great to be here, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. Mm. Definitely needed someone on here as well with us who's been playing the game a ton. Because, Green Fox, you've been having some issues with the game lately. What what has been going on for you with your squadrons play lately? Yeah, my squadrons play, I've been doing more organizing and background stuff than actual uh, hitting the grindstone uh, with a joystick. Uh, plus, I, you know, I was boosting so much, I just broke the... Uh, Broke the crap out of my boost button on my <laughs> hotel. So I've just gotten a re- uh, one recently, so I'm just kind of waiting to jump back into the fray, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the community appreciates people like you who aren't playing and are spending the time organizing. I mean, people like Javen, too, spending so much time putting all these things together behind the scenes. And hopefully we get a chance to kind of, like, bring some of those behind-the-scenes people to the limelight as well. Javen, what do you, what have you been thinking about the game lately? So one of the things that uh, I'm really excited about, obviously, was uh, this latest update. Um, 4.0 brought us the Defender and my favorite ship in the game, which was the B-Wing. Um, you know, ever since I was a kid, like, I don't know what it was. Like, I just really liked the look of it, right? The fact that it had way more guns than anybody else um, playing X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, X-Wing Alliance. It was clearly, like, the best ship in the game. Um, and then it comes out. And I'm like, what? What is this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what? Is, like, what have they done to my boy? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I uh, again, I'm still using it, man. I think it's, you know, it maybe there's a place for it here yet. Uh, we just haven't figured out what that is yet. Uh, but it's not gonna stop me from keeping keeping uh, keeping myself in that cockpit. So, yeah, I, you know, and we should get right into it here. One of the first things I wanted to talk about because you know we've been it's been a few weeks here and a lot has happened. Update 4.0 had basically hit at our last um, release, so the Defender and the B-wing came out. Now the B-wing, they gave it that gyroscope, and it that gives it the additional payloads. Basically, do you what, what do you think about that move? As you're saying, they they they, they massacred your boy. What do you what do you think about that specifically, though? You think that was a win or a miss there? So I think, again, the added benefit of reducing cooldowns on your abilities and doubling your payload um, in that platform is 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 really good. Um, it allows you to carry 10 proton bombs in the game. And, um, and one of the things that 
you know, most people are doing right now is they're using the B-Wing with, you know, gyro and proton bombs uh, on the cruiser phase because it's, you know, even though it's a slow, even though it's not, you can't really take too many hits, you know, as a delivery platform for ordnance, uh, it's one of the most devastating uh, combos in the game to be able to, to do that. Um, that being said, the distance between, you know, your line and, and your cruisers is a lot different than your your line to the flagship and usually the b-wing probably isn't going to make it that far um but as far as all the other stuff goes um some people have been using the gyroscope uh with the uh with the assault shield being able to use that in a dogfight the b-wing much like the tie defender has a very tight uh maneuverability rate while boosting um, and so as a spinning turret dogfighter with a big cannon on the front, uh, it can definitely melt some people if you're really good at aiming. Um, and then using that really fast reloading uh, assault shield uh, to great uh, to great extent too uh, is potentially really good in a dogfight scenario or if you have a position where you can set your back up to a wall or something. Um, that being said, mm -hmm. the actual rotational stuff though, it, I mean, it's a gimmick, uh, in my opinion. Like, oh. it's neat because you can rotate it, um, and turns out wherever the bottom portion of your cross is, that's where your ordnance is going to come out of. Um, but that's about it. It doesn't really affect the hitbox. Uh, auto aim gimbals directly to the cockpit, so rotating your your whole body around it doesn't really do much to, you know, mess around with that too much. Um, but other than that, I mean, I don't really think people have really given it too much thought i think that maybe there might be some hidden gems uh that people just haven't figured out the metaphor yet i think most mm. people who are using it are kind of lovers of the b-wing in the lore because it hasn't really found it's because of its it's slow and it's it seems to me in high level games it's not really being used it's anyone i know using it is more in a low level game they're trying to basically meme out i don't know if it's really found its place in the the high level game so much maybe destroying the raider or corvette maybe you can see people bringing it out there realistically on defense oh absolutely and even the one unique component uh, to the b-wing besides the the gyro module is the is the ion beam and even that is kind of lackluster just because you know yeah you can use it over and over again um it just doesn't do a whole lot of damage and it's more often than not just better to bring an ion torpedo to mm -hmm. take out shields i think everyone kind of hoped that they could fire the ion beam with the standard beam at the same time and and that that was not uh possible so i think people were kind of disappointed with that when they first heard, heard of the ion beam i think that was the hope maybe i'm mistaken that was my hope anyway I mean, it would, sure, it would have been nice. I mean, the first time that I tried doing it, I was definitely disappointed. <laughs> I was hoping for a nice big Mace Windu purple coming out of the front of my <laughs> B-Wing, but alas, it wasn't meant to be. Mm. Javen, you think uh, you think once we see more formation flying, more squad formation flying, where maybe it has an escort to it, that'll be put more in use, or do you think it needs an actual balance pass to, to up its capabilities? So I think it's a matter of incentives, much like much like the Y-wing, right? As a as a ordnance delivery platform, um, you know, it's there's just too many better incentives to do what those two craft would be doing, and so any balance pass um, would have to be careful about buffing those those craft too much, um, and so like for instance, the balance patch that reduced the damage of like dumbfire rockets to control, you know, how much damage interceptors were able to do with them. 
you know, maybe it would have been a little bit better if they just removed a lot of the payload rather than the actual overall damage of the dumbfire rockets themselves. Yeah, that was um, that was the biggest complaint. I think most people were surprised they went from, I mean, down to forty percent basically when they thought maybe they should right. drop from 40 rockets to something like 24, which is effectively the same thing, but gives them the same power. Just exactly like you're saying, less so payload. It's a, matter of, it's a matter of high risk, high reward, right? So you could make the, the B-Wing carry, you know, 20 proton bombs, which is a huge amount of damage potential. But at the end of the day, I mean, if, if you can't get to your target, then it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the Y-Wing suffers from, from basically the same problem. And so... You know, here you are, a, a delivery platform in the form of the B-Wing, which is even slower than the Y-Wing. Like, they're, they're, there's just no incentive to use it in high-level gameplay because of that. Now, on the other side, actually, this is, this is maybe you'll have a different opinion, but what I think has been the most balancing uh, addition to the game is the Defender. Because I felt like before the Defender, if you had the Empire against a high-level team, you just didn't really feel like you could compete. That's how I felt, whereas I feel like now the Defender out there has added balance to the game. Where do you fall on that? So the Defender was definitely um, a much-needed answer to the A-Wing problem, right? Mm -hmm. um, but much like every new thing, and anybody who's <laughs> played League of Legends knows, like the instant the new champion comes, right, balance patch comes in the next patch. <laughs> and so... Right now, we have the defender who not only has you know the AP uh, the APS uh, auxiliary, which you know gives an increase to one of three uh, power management slots, but overall across the board, all three of them have incredibly high recharge rate, um, and so it's very easy for me to go you know left, right, center, and keep all of my stuff relatively maxed. It's um, it's crazy how you know even without the APS, the defender. Every system fills up so fast. In my opinion, you don't even need the APS, and you can... Right, that's exactly right. I mean, people are using going without it to... I mean, and we're talking about... We can kind of lead into here of how much of an exploit this is exactly, but they're basically able to almost infinitely dead drift, better than power shunting with the Plasburst, for sure. Mm -hmm. That's correct. And so, again, like, when, when you dead drift, you know, you take all the power out of engines to sustain that drift, but then, you know, you can immediately put it back into it, and because you're... Uh, in the middle of a drift, you're not expending boost, you're actually charging boost. Um, you can just get all that boost right back to where it was. Like, the defender's strength is not necessarily the fact that it deals way more damage than the A-Wing, or it can take more punishment. Uh, it's the fact that it's essentially a, a, a war of attrition against everything else, because everything else requires ordnance in the form of, like, ion missiles or, uh, excuse me, ion rockets to be able to, to kill it, and the defender can just recharge everything that it cares about. I mean, people can just really just go between drifting and refilling their shields and just stay alive for really extended periods of time. It's it's really frustrating uh, to, to be against someone, and you just can't do anything... Because the hitbox, I feel like it's it's really minimized during that phase. Like, while they're dead drifting, there seems to be a period of invulnerability, basically. Mm. It, even if it's See? not invulnerability, it might be an offset of where the the slight aim assist that everybody has is pointing your weapons. So you just point your weapons maybe five feet in front of or before it because the dead drift is kilting the ship off angle from what it should be. So some people think that the dead drift or the dead drift itself potentially messes with your hitbox as it tests your nose because your nose is five six feet 
difference from what it should be. So if the lasers are going after where it should be, not where it is, and that's what the disconnect is there, uh, potentially. I don't know. No, I mean you're you're pretty spot on. So again, the the fact that you're dead drifting means that your you know your nose position is different to where your angular velocity is. And what the game tries to do is it tries to compute the two um, and arrives at a number that is not correct. Um, and so your guns are gimbaled, you know, to wherever um, wherever that position it calculates is, which turns out is not actually where the hitbox is is, is at all. Um, yeah. So that's why you're getting, you know, issues hitting people um, while they're drifting. It's not even just dead drifting. It's it's drifting in general. Um, and so, again, we know, you know, from quote unquote leaked, uh, you know, uh, developer patch notes um, that a fix is in the works. A fix is coming eventually. Um, and so it will definitely be interesting. Um, and I would love to be back on the show afterwards to discuss how the how the meta has totally been scrambled around. Yeah, as and everyone's and mastering nothing, their dead and Nothing is the same anymore. Uh, everything's different. Um, but as far as you know, what we know right now with the current you know way that people do damage to each other, um, you know, the A wing and the Tide Defender in this case are are honestly pretty much the master class of uh, of each side at this point, just because. Not only can they win dogfights, but they can do objective damage. They can strip shields. Um, yeah. They can do they can do all, all that stuff. So the <laughs> the other thing too that I think that's interesting is right as this happened, right as we're getting, I think I feel like basically everyone has just become so much better at dead drifting over the last two weeks with these new ships, and also because the custom matches were added like countless times. I've gone into private matches with Destracier. And just for like an hour, he's just answered questions about dead drifting to, to people. You know what I mean? We're, we're, people are able to utilize these custom matches as a really valuable learning tool. I mean, if you can get into them with the right resources. people. Yeah. Yeah. So Death Racer is uh, pretty much the Carl Sagan of Star Wars Squadrons, right? <laughs> like, I mean, he will he will talk here off. He'll give you numbers, um, you know. And but again, again, like a lot of his, you know, a lot of his good stuff comes from being able to take very like potentially complex concepts and simplify them in terms that you know people can understand. Um, and so, you know, Distracer and others in the community um, shucking away their free time to to get people to play this game, you know, is honestly one of the great pillars of why I, I really like this community. Like this community succeeds not because matchmaking gets fixed. This community succeeds if, you know, people like, you know, Distracer and others um, take time out of their out of their busy you know busy days, and you know instead of playing the game themselves, enable other people to play the game and quote unquote raise the skill floor uh, to make other people you know play with a full bag of golf clubs instead of just like a chipping wedge and a putter. You know what I mean? Like when Tiger Woods hits that 300, 300 foot or excuse me three hundred yard ball, gets a hole in one. You know he's not using a putter; he's using a three wood. And so if you don't have a three wood, you're going to be outclassed. And I think. In a lot of games, sometimes the knowledge gap can really be what separates, you know, a mediocre player from an amazing player. And you know, when amazing players are revealing that knowledge to everyone in the community, I mean, the, yeah, exactly. It shows the game That's itself right. can really grow, I think, to a better place overall because of it, rather than it being trapped into a few people who know or something like that. Like if if Distrace wasn't sharing this information and just, you know just certain people knew then i mean that would be enough for them to really dominate <laughs> you know if that if that knowledge is limited to people then they will right. of course excel and again you can't you can't practice what you don't know right mm -hmm. and so again you know another thing that the the defender and b-wing kind of you know painted a picture for us was the fact that um boost and drift maneuverability is different than regular maneuverability so 
the fact that if you think about it, the B-Wing has base maneuverability stats that the actual visible maneuverability number is essentially a modifier to, um, but that is a different number than you know the, the base maneuverability than when the maneuverability you have when you're drifting. Of course. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So the drifting so, in the ideal uh, throttle position, you have more maneuverability than regularly. Right. Yes, yes. Yep. That, that feels... Absolutely. You can feel that as well as you're turning and everything. Yep, absolutely. So the other thing that came with the 4.0 update as well is the level MMR adjustment, which, I mean, in Season 1 it was... I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of... I can't remember the exact gaps, but now it's about a 1,000 between each level, and you basically, rather than starting in Maverick, you are in Hero? Hero more regularly to start? Sorry, I feel like I'm... Uh, yeah, it's spacing think, on my my names there. Yeah, most people um, that won almost all their placement matches were plopped down into like Hero Two or Hero Three. Yeah, that's the highest I heard of Hero Three, I believe, placement. Yeah, I think I think that's where most of the aces kind of got dumped down into. So, but um, yeah, when it comes to MMR balance um, or MMR changes like that, you know, there's only so much that they can do in, in the server backend, and and realistically, like all they're really doing is just kind of swinging from one side of the spectrum to another, right? If you could just just look at it from like a, as a dial, right? So mm -hmm. it's like it's either going to be you know quicker quicker queue times, um, or you know longer queue times, or you know less less uh, ranked uh, priority and and more ranked priority. Um, you know, and all these things, it's essentially just a, a five point, you know, graph and you're just kind of plotting a point in between, you know, all five of those and whichever one you favor most, like, you know, it, you're only gonna, you're only gonna know what's correct after you make so many changes. And, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of what people are getting frustrated about is like, well, I don't like it because of this, or I don't like it because they did that. And it's just... It, you know, we're we're coalescing towards towards a middle ground. We just got to be patient. It, it's tough though yeah. because at one point people are like, "I've got to wait so long to find a game," and then now it's like, "I'm getting my games so fast, but I'm not getting any points because the games are so poorly matched up." It's just such a it's tough right. to, to swing from just, one end to the other. It is. It's tough, man, and it takes time. And of course, like you know, new players coming into the game while all of this is happening, whether at launch or now at Christmas, you know, is probably not the best you know picture that you want to paint when it comes to people who have never played True. this game before. Um, but it's important for them to, you know, to reach out to communities and you know podcasts like this one to really you know get that explained to them and just you know not be disheartened by losing because yeah. you know even even the loss is a learning experience, right? Like, I mean, I don't win every single game. Def mm -hmm. I definitely don't win. Yeah, me neither. Don't don't get me wrong, me neither. <laughs> um, you know, but but it's important to know why you lost, right? Because mm -hmm. there's nothing more frustrating than like taking the L and not knowing why. I just yeah. read this. You need to win. New players need to win 33 percent of the time to continue playing a game. That's like the the, the study yeah. metric. Yeah. So that, I'm sure they're trying to balance it into towards that in some way. I mean, I'm not a game developer. I don't understand. But clearly no, you can see that they were there was a period there where as a whatever, I'm like 230 or so. I once the game, if people left the game, it would not backfill. Whereas now it's instantly backfilling with a level five person. So, I mean, that can't be a great experience for the level five person backfilling against us. So hopefully at least a third of their games are enjoyable. <laughs> right. I mean, the good news is, you know, that level five who gets dumped into that match, you know, he has the option to back out too. Because, I mean, I'm assuming he's solo queuing and he's just like, whoa, what is this? I don't belong here. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're right. This isn't where I this isn't where I parked my car. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. This is not the not neighborhood right. I want to park my car in. That's for sure. When you're seeing all these three hundreds against you, yeah, no way if you're a five. Literally, though. I like, think, uh, one, sorry, go ahead, Green Fox. I was going to say uh, one of the hard parts with that stuff is that um, no matter how complicated an AI or an algorithm to help test that kind of sh- stuff, you need to you need to push those kind of MMR changes in a live environment. So like it or not, we're going to just be guinea pigs for a couple months uh, <laughs> while they push that dial back and forth and slide left and slide it right and find that cushy spot in the middle between having to wait a long time and backfilling with level fives, you know? And uh, I, but I just, I can't see them any way to predict that kind of stuff back in the summertime or springtime to be able to, you know, they started with their base matchmaking algorithm uh, but I'm sure they've had to adjust it multiple times since then. It feels like they're adjusting it even constantly now. So, oh, I feel like over yeah. the last month, they, like exactly like Javen said, they've really been dialing it back and forth, trying to to, to, to zero in on the best uh, the best way that it can be, I guess, to that sweet spot. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if you want to guess a number between 1 and 100, you don't just guess like <laughs> a random number. You half it and half it and half it until you get the number. And then the intangible stuff like wait time, how long before you start getting antsy and then getting smashed by level 200s when you're only level five. Those kind of intangibles working that into the equation as well. I'm sure there's no, no picnic because <laughs> you have to, you know, you have to make something into a number that wasn't, isn't really meant to be a number. And you have to say, well, this is fun factor nine out of 10. Uh, this is fun factor two out of 10. We got to change that and bring it back up, you know, something like that. So, I don't know. Basically, these I think that's what update 4.1, which they did about a week after uh, the four that added the ships and the custom matches. It was just mostly fixes on customized. It was basically a a fix to the update. Basically, they just, just kind of zeroed in on a bunch of things and uh, mostly cosmetic fixes and uh, some of the like the B wing when it first launched. It actually wasn't holding the correct amount of mines, etc. right? The APS was supposed to increase them and it wasn't working correctly. Anyone else remember this? Mm, what are you talking about? I don't have much B-Wing experience. You're talking about the actual mines coming out of the B-Wing? I be- so I, I... The APS was supposed to give you a boost to your payload, and I believe when it first launched, it did not give you that boost consistently. Oh no no you're talking about you're talking about the gyro for the for the B wing. Right? I am talking about the gyro. I said APS. My mistake. Thank you. Sorry. No 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 worries. So yeah, essentially what was happening was uh, there was a bug where it was either doing none of it or it was doing both of it. And so the B wing's gyro has you know minus fifty percent to your to your cooldown and a hundred percent to your capacity. So the way that it was it's supposed to work and the way that it works now is that if your auxiliary has capacity, then it will add it to it. Um, and if it doesn't, then it will use the other, which is the minus 50% to your cooldown. What was happening was uh, essentially munitions-based auxiliaries would have both. So you'd have not only 100 rockets, but they'd fire twice as fast, <laughs> um, right? And Or excuse me, 80 rockets. So like if I had 20 or 10 proton bombs then i'd be able to dump them in like a couple of seconds if that oh wow um and so yeah people were and the way that you would do this is like it would load into the game and then you'd swap your uh swap your class to a different loadout and then that loadout would have both benefits um and so yeah it was bugged um it was really bad um and people were upset about it um and they and they 
essentially fixed it fairly quickly. But for a while there, uh, it was very, very interesting to see <laughs> people just rapid firing off all these dumbware rockets <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, all yeah. over the map. So, yeah, that 4.1, they got it in there very quickly afterwards. And then I think it's been interesting because of these updates to the game, I think has kind of created some interesting kind of like sub-meta to the game. One example of this would be the turret spam we've kind of seen a little bit lately. I'm, I've seen people complain about this on Reddit a lot, too. They think it's like unbeatable almost, which, I mean, it's difficult. If you're just like solo queuing and you have a, a group doing this, it can be a tough strategy. What's your thoughts on it, Jaden? So this is, in my opinion, um, the problems that I have with turrets is the same problem that I have when um, my six-year-old comes into the room and wants me to like change the channel on the television. Um, I have trouble doing what I'm trying to do because there's a huge distraction involved. Um, and so when the turret is shooting at me or, the, you know, and generating all these particle effects all over my windshield, right? It's maybe not doing a ton of damage, but it's definitely a giant distraction. And when I have like five of them doing that, um, it's gonna hurt and it's gonna be an even more distraction. And all that, what that's doing is that's creating a helmet fire, which which leads to me dying, <laughs> right? So it's not necessarily that the turrets themselves are killing the players, like in a tie, 100%, dude, like, cause they don't have shields. And mm -hmm. so every, Every piece of damage that you're whittling off that tie, it doesn't matter if you have reinforced hull or not, uh, it sucks to lose that that health. Yeah, um, true. That being said, um, I can just shoot them once and they're dead, yeah. right? So, the, so if five people are doing it, then they get they can have 10 out there for 15 seconds. Mm-hmm, absolutely. What, yeah, so that's what's funny about it. I mean, so most people, and they think they have, like, a 1,500 range, basically, so they can kind of throw them in there. Oh, um, yeah, they can just sling them out and then just kind of hang back, Yeah, what a lot and of people do. And that's basically... They use it as area denial. Mm-hmm. That's basically what people are doing. They're using, like, the midline to, and then try to get, like, people to come towards them and then get killed, like, killed over pursuing, and then they just retreat. And, I mean, I've played right. games where, you know, I'll be three-stacked, or three-stack is, like, one death, two death, three death. But our other two guys are like 15, 20 deaths, so they're just feeding, right? right? Like because they don't know what to do, and this, it, that's why it's an it's an unusual strategy. So I think it really messes up like mid level right. people. So again, like a lot of the a lot of what I was talking about, right, is like distraction, and so again, mm -hmm. a distracted pilot is a is a dead pilot, and so the the way to counteract that clearly is just to keep a clear head, see where it's see where it's coming from, you know, maybe throw a rocket out there if you don't want to aim aim the actual shot and then blow it up because mm -hmm. if it gets close it's dead. Um and so a team that knows that it's happening, um, can can visually see it, lock on. Even you don't even need to see it if you have uh if you have mines set up uh as a keybind, right? Or missiles like projectiles, mm -hmm. they'll show up. And so at that point, you're just like, oh, look, there it is. Boom, dead. Boom, dead. Boom, dead. Oh, look, half my problem's gone away already. <laughs> I, and, yeah, and, it's... and again, a lot of that problem is because they are too busy like chasing after the support rather than dealing with the actual problem that's in front of them. That's a great way to put it. I feel like, too, the other thing is uh, if we face a team who's doing it, we just will a we'll just put two people on AI farm. One person just takes out the rockets, and it, they're not getting any kills really. So it, it's going to flip super fast anyway, yeah. and they're not going to be able to do damage because we're taking out the rockets. So, I mean, it's very That's counterable. True. Yeah, the turret spam seems like a play that you would pull out of the playbook. It doesn't seem like an overpowered 
thing that's necessarily an issue. It just seems like one way that you can affect the other team and it could have a positive net gain for you and your team. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if it even needs a, a balanced passer. And I don't if think there's so. really yeah, even any problem with it. It seems like no. I don't think it needs a balance. Five support. Meta. I, yeah, I think I think a lot of what you're going to see, or at least what I hope to see, because it would make the game that much more interesting, um, is a lot of these like rock paper scissors lizard Spock strategies, where <laughs> yeah. if I if I see this, then the counter to that is this, which mm-hmm. again is all about making your opponent do things that they don't necessarily want to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like your opponent has a strategy that they want to do. And if you do this thing, then you force them to do that thing instead. And now you're in a position of advantage because now you know that they're going to do that thing. So you can switch to this other thing that counters it. It's all about speed at which, you know, you can potentially manipulate your opponents and your opponent's teams. And I don't think in a high level game like in the sel i don't think we're going to see anything like this like a turret spam strategy maybe defensively people might use it a little bit but just one or two support ships really but yeah i don't think in a high level game it has a place maybe as a play like green fox yeah. is saying but not as a strategy overall again it's more of a overwhelming strategy that is used against pilots that aren't used to seeing it mm-hmm. or aren't used to dealing with threats that are asymptomatic like asymmetric you know what i mean yeah yeah it was definitely it, th- it threw us for sure the first time we saw it we were thrown and we got beat but i mean we just had to regroup and figure it out that's all that's all most all, you're right and every strategy just needs a little bit of thinking and a counter strategy to deal with for the most part from what i've seen in this game mm-hmm. one maybe you have a different opinion one issue we could talk about which we definitely have to talk about here as well we touched upon it in the dead drifting of the defender but just dead drifting as an exploit has kind of come to light some people are seeing it more as an exploit some people i mean death watch isn't even really playing i'm hearing it's because they see it as an issue they're kind of chilling a bit right now what do you think javen yeah so again we talked about the the gimbling issue the auto aim problems that come from dead drifting uh in this game and then obviously the defender's ability to you know persist that um and and do it almost indefinitely if you're if you're good you know in high level play what that really looks like is you know you're just essentially waiting for the defender to make a mistake right Mm -hmm. and again i don't know if you guys play mario kart but uh it would be like playing mario kart with no items i'm just waiting for the guy in first place to make a mistake so that i can pass him and that's not really that fun right Mm -hmm. Um, and so i don't think anybody in high level competitive play is really kidding themselves to say that like you know everything's okay um i think uh, you know unlike some of the guys in death watch maybe um we're just trying to make the best of a you know situation that you know isn't you know isn't really good um the problem with dead drift is not necessarily the way that most people are using it it's the way that people are using it to you know you put on the reflect call um dead drift outside uh the bounds of the game go around to the flagship and then dead drifting um so that the uh, out of phase cruisers and flagship can't hit you and then you're just dealing damage to those components with like things like piercing torpedoes and whatnot to yeah. just win the game without even playing the game i mean because i've um, i've lost some games where people have been able to get some out of phase damage that you know if they weren't getting that out of phase damage they weren't winning you know like you can keep people in games right. because of it 
Right. And again, like you as the defender, mm. like, you know, you kind of make the assumption that, well, this is safe space and I don't have to, you know, keep somebody here now. But, you know, with dead drifting, being able to do that, um, it's kind of, you know, it's just not really a thing that the game was really designed to, to do. And so dead drifting itself, I don't, I don't really necessarily think of it as an exploit by itself, but people are exploiting the problems with dead drift to really break the game in a non fun way. Hmm. The out of phase capture damage definitely seems like a problem. But if the game, you know, does it seem like that's an intentional thing that the designers left in there, that there should be some small minor, uh, cap ship damage outside of phase, but maybe not to that extent, and they didn't plan for it, so that's why they didn't just make it undamageable during that time, because that's unrealistic. You think it's part of the mechanic? Yeah. Or, or I, think, uh, I don't remember where I saw it, but I'm, I'm fairly certain, and we can look this up later, but I'm fairly certain that even Ian Frazier was you know, quoted as saying that it was intentional to be able to damage the ships, you know, outside of their phase. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, they, yeah, they would yeah. have just made them invulnerable. That's true. Um, yeah, fair, fair point. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, hmm. so again, I feel like this is just something that we know that a fix is coming for, um, that we just need to kind of police ourselves and just not be, you know, not be jerks about it and, and use it in this way. Sure. I mean, I couldn't... If there was a team, basically, as soon as I realized how uh, how tough it is to kill someone when they're death drifting, even to land shots, I thought about what if there was five Distraciers out there? Yeah, <laughs> that would be a nightmare. That I mean, if you're deal, that would not be even fun at that point. I think I went against three Galactic Aces, and it was a good game. And I couldn't imagine if it was five Galactic Aces flying like Distraciers around there it would be. Yeah. It would be crazy. I mean, at that point. I mean, at that point, right, depending, it depends on the ship. Obviously, the Defender probably doesn't have nearly the amount of problems that, like, say, an A-Wing would have um, being able to drift around. Because eventually you will run out of boost, mm -hmm. right? Just like, in, just like in traditional flight sims, I mean, you will eventually run out of energy, whether it's altitude or airspeed. Um, and then you'll just be a sitting duck, and then you'll die. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that's one of the reasons why the Defender is so strong right now is because it can pretty much just outlast uh, because it doesn't have to worry about ever losing boost. Mm -hmm. um, and once you lose boost in a dogfight you're you're dead plain and simple so i wonder how you're right though and i wonder if the scl will have to deal with with this at all if there if there's ever been any rules set in that i don't know um specifically how they're dealing with it. it's definitely something you're going to consider because i mean i remember a few months ago when someone parked on the back of a flagship and was killing it that was like a huge issue for a minute there do you guys remember that it seems like years ago now that's you know, that's funny because that was Destressier, and he's the one that also came up with dead drifting, and he's the one that parked in the flagship, and he's the one that's been testing a lot of the stuff behind the scenes, and he's also, you know, the, the uh, head of uh, competitive squadrons Reddit and all that other stuff. So he's, uh, you know, he's, he's European, he's scientific-minded, <laughs> he goes through and, and tests individual weapon point values off of different hulls and things. So this guy, is a, he's a scientist, he goes through, he's not out to get anybody, but it's, it's funny that... Uh, those type of things bring out, uh, they bring out what we need to bring out, the warts and the, the hairs and the grease and the grit and the nitty-gritty between the lines of the game that need to get patched out and exposed. And if you don't expose those warts, then they won't get popped, you know what I mean? And I think uh, it's it's important to, to kind of highlight that stuff and not keep it hidden. And I think, uh, you know, th that's a lot of what, what he does and what a lot of other people in the community do is, is try to, 
um, you know, bring out the good and the bad of the different flight mechanics and squadrons and the little things that we can do to take advantage of, of the situation, whether it's good or bad, uh, whether it's part of the game in the beginning as an intentional thing or not. Uh, it's all be kind of unveiled as we as we play with those mechanics. But if we keep them in the dark, then nothing ever happens, you know, and they will be exposed eventually. You might as well get them out as quick as possible while we're still in these early phases, these first early months. And if anyone's listening and wondering about these, everything we're saying with the values and info about fleet battles, Distressier has made this all available on the Competitive Squadrons uh, subreddit. So definitely check that out there. It's all right there. I believe it's sticky to the top or in the sidebar, if not. So it's all readily available for anyone. Mm-hmm. The other issue I wanted to talk about that's come up recently and we were kind of kicking back and forth was about the torpedoes. I've noticed myself, I've had some some trouble with them hitting lately and you you had a lot to say about this javen and, and why you think that they're the issues are coming from mm-hmm. yeah so thankfully uh i managed to get most of my whining and grievances and angry uh opinions out before we started recording so um, now i i've got a, a head uh, a head on my shoulders so i guess one of the things i'm, I'm really kind of upset about it because it's you know much like uh much like sex panther like you know 30 percent of the time it works every time <laughs> um and so having a piece of ordinance on my wings knowing full well that there's a chance that it's not going to do damage um is really upsetting right and so there's there's a reason though why i'm when i go shoot the moon um on a star destroyer in an x-wing that i'm not using concussion missiles and rockets it's because the torpedoes do so much more damage in such a small amount of time um and when you're on assault it's you know the name of the game is is optimizing the time that you have um and so that's why ion torpedoes are are better than ion rockets for taking out shields it's because it's uh, a lot quicker and a, and a lot smaller package um it's a lot of burst damage and you know, running piercing, uh, piercing torpedoes and proton torpedoes, and taking them out that way is the ideal setup when you're doing a quick in and out run. Um, the problem is that sometimes those torpedoes either don't do the damage they're supposed to do, don't do damage at all, or just go right through your target and then start doing vertical loops. Um, mm. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's not really. Uh, it's not really understood why it's doing it. Like, there's lots of speculation about it, um, whether it's, you know, server tick rate, whether it's uh, maybe they had to make changes to how Torpedo AI works when Piercing Torpedo was brought in uh, during during that update. Um, but really, Torpedoes haven't worked right since the Piercing Torpedo change. Um, and so what generally happens is once they come off your wings, if you're boosting, they'll they'll persist at your boost speed for about a second, and then they'll drop back down to their native speed, and then they'll actually start homing. Um, but sometimes, if it goes through objects before that homing engages, it'll just it'll just go right through the ISD in some cases. Damn. Yeah, because that seems like exactly what I'm seeing. Like, even t- like we were going into testing in practice mode, trying to figure out if die if tor- we like testing if torpedoes survive if they still hit if they still do damage after you like all of these things and like it just it does seem different in the ranked games too for that for that a little bit i don't know it's it's so weird how delayed it is too when you're not getting the damage you'll see visually the explosion but then you won't get the actual notification still quite a bit later sometimes there just seems to be a delay where it's off right it's been a little bit frustrating for me in the last five days as i've really noticed these issues kind of come to a head it, I mean, it is. It's frustrating because, you know, again, like what I was saying earlier, um, 
you know, those those types of situations um, will make or break games, and those can be wins or losses. And it really it really blows to not have a a really viable reason of why you lost. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I don't. I did everything mechanically correct, but my torpedoes decided to go straight and then hang a ninety degree angle uh, into the, into the hull and not do any damage. Uh, so, what am I going to do about that? Um, turns out, it's switched to rockets and concussion missiles until it gets fixed. If you're that desperate, I mean, that's, I'm not quite there yet. I've I'm seen, not quite uh, there yet. yeah, one of my best the best uh, uh, objective players, Gonk, on my team, he's kind of messing around with going with some concussions too, like a concussion and a, a, a approach. You know what I mean? Like a big, and a, yeah, so just different options there. I remember if we switch, <laughs> switch out the piercing or the proton. I think I think he's going proton and concussion, just mixing it up now just because of that issue. Yeah, piercing has overall less damage, um, but it's still more... Uh, it's still more than the concussion missile if you're just doing one run. Mm-hmm. So if you like doing an effective uh, shoot the moon or Vandersloop run, you know, I mean, two torpedoes and maybe three or four bursts from your X-wing uh, burst fire gun is enough to just kill the shield gen outright if it actually works, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it actually works. <laughs> if you can get in there in time, yeah. It's. I mean, I've also the other thing too is. I mean, people are getting better. People are getting better all the time. They're getting better at defending the ship, cap ships. They're getting better at shooting down uh, torpedoes and missiles and everything. So, I mean, it could be an amalgamation of all of these things, making it uh, kind of making oh, it sure. that way for sure too. And I mean, honestly, the lack of, I mean, the lack of really good feedback tools, like we don't have a theater mode, right? We don't have, you know, we have spectation, but we, you know, it's, it's only so, so, um, you know, we can't really see beyond a shadow of a doubt what actually transpired in the match. And we could even be watching the match and still not really know. Yeah, I think there's, there's different types of spectating as well, where it's not, you're not actually watching it, it's actually a recreation of it. And that, yep, a best an recreation, yeah, an approximation. So you're not necessarily seeing it as it is. So sometimes you see, watching someone, it may seem like they're, missing their target when they're actually hitting it, et cetera, that kind right. of stuff. So that could be the issue. I don't know. Mm. One thing I also noticed, too, in the last little bit, just overall in the game, I feel like AI farming has kind of made a comeback. I'm noticing a lot more AI farming now than I was a bit ago. Yeah, so a lot of teams, um, you know, I don't think it's ever truly, really gone away. Um, I think that some teams maybe were doing, you know, three uh, air support superiority interceptors to objective players for a while there. Um, but a lot of teams now are going back to at least having one bomber doing AI just because it's, you know, it is a essentially a clock, right? Yeah. So in, in fleet battles, there's really two things that are going on on top of each other. There's... Um, Depending on your phase, right, whether attack or defense, um, if you're on attack, you want the most time possible to do the most amount of damage in the time that you have. And on defense, you want to make that clock go as quickly as possible. You want that defense phase to flip as quickly as possible while still minimizing the damage that they're able to enact. But ultimately, it's the clock that flips the phase, not how many times that you can like try to prevent damage being done to your cruisers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sense? yeah, the clock dictated by the morale swinging either direction. Yeah, one hundred percent. Right, and you can't. And again, you can't negate the head game that's involved with the other team knowing that somebody is actively making them hurry on the other side. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder, maybe I'm mistaken, but maybe 
because of the balance that's come from the defender, dogfighting is is not, no team really has the advantage. How do you get the advantage? Farming AI, it kind of helps push that clock in one direction a little bit faster, just like you're saying. So I think it does kind of make sense. Right. It has its place in the game. I feel, you're right, it was never gone, but I feel like its place has kind of found itself again in the game. Right, That's and again, the the raider, killing the raider and farming about maybe two or three packs is usually enough to flip that phase. Mm -hmm. If, uh, you know, if they're barring any cruisers or player deaths, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so again, that could happen relatively quickly if everybody's just purely focusing on that. I will say though, um, Motive, if you're listening, please fix my multi-lock missiles because ever <laughs> like they they do not one-shot uh, AI anymore. And I don't know if that's intentional or not, but if if it's not, please fix that. I, I don't right get now, it. I'm like I've got them there like, in my sight. It locks on the one you shoot it, and then it locks on the other one. Is that what you're talking about? No, I'm saying that when like if I've got four multi-locks on and the missiles are out, um, when the game went live up until patch 2.0. They were one shots on X Wings and Tie Fighters. They are not one shots. Anymore. Oh yeah, you should. You have to kind of put some shots on. Wow, that is weird. Yeah, yeah. I guess so it's again, been that way like, so long. I didn't notice. I for I forgot. Right. That's why Goliath is king in, in, mm -hmm. uh, in multi farm right for now. Sure. And that's why you gotta much like anybody who's played Star Fox sixty four knows. <laughs> you gotta go for the you gotta go for the dude in the lead so that you get all yeah. of them at yeah. once. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm rocking exactly. Goliath and multi lock for my uh, my farm bomber. <clears throat> so I think we should. Oh, did we talk about matchmaking now? I can't remember. We kind of touched on it a little bit, but I think the thing we haven't we really... We talked about the MMR. Yeah, I and think... we talked about the quick backfill a little bit. Mm -hmm. what, it, what we didn't really uh, discuss is that these matchmaking problems, what it's leading to is, I think, people creating Smurf accounts because they're unhappy because the matchups they're getting aren't very good and they aren't getting MMR or they can't progress, and it, it's tough. I think it is, though, like you said, it's just going to take time for it to dial in and, I mean... Eventually, they're going to have the same problem with a Smurf account that they do with their normal account. It's going to get to that level where they aren't making points. Yeah, I feel like making, and again, this is just my opinion, but I feel like making Smurf accounts is just kicking the can down the road, man. It's just, I, yeah. I you know, I feel like it's, for lack of a better term, I feel like it's just being selfish, right? Like, mm -hmm. you're you're not really helping everybody. You're essentially just saying, well, this is not my problem, so I'm going to kick the can down the road for me, <laughs> um, and then everybody else can kind of deal with the issues that that, you know, that that causes. And I can totally see it because, you know, in practice, let's say you're, okay, you're, you're a high-level team, you match up with another high-level team, but then they have one person who's a level 10 or whatever, two people, three people who are level 10. So now if you lose, you're losing like 150 points, and if you win, you're only getting 10. So... It really is ruining the experience people when people smurf account against high level teams, I think. Interesting. Yeah, that's true. So I think well, smurfs. Yeah, I think that's pretty much all we need to say about that issue. Don't smurf is basically the uh, Star Wars Squadrons podcast <laughs> <laughs> opinion. <laughs> But at the same time, I guess I have a smurf that I've gone into dogfights to work on different builds. But that's not ranked. You guys give me a pass on that one. Well, yeah, uh, man. No, that's, that's fine. Okay. You got all right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you got a pass from me. That's all that you need. Man. Appreciate it. All right. So I think we should finish off here talking about the tournaments coming up here. Right now, it's December 29th. So we are on the eve of the Operation Ace tournament happening tomorrow. Yeah, that should be pretty fun. I know this guy's been working on it for a while, and um, the production behind it is going to be top notch, and uh, it should be great. Uh, we wish we had some results tonight to share, but we'll have to look into the future and uh, report back next week or the week after. Yeah, we'll let everyone know uh, in the next episode how that went and the results and everything. I'm sure they're probably well aware. 
but it's it's very exciting. I know this one is through Facebook and just U.S. teams, which is you know the the community thing that I love about Star Wars Squadrons. It is it is worldwide. Um, this one is just U.S. based, but it's still gonna be a great tournament because there's a lot of really good players, great pilots in this uh, tournament. So it's gonna be great to see. Oh, yeah. I think I think one of my favorite things about this tournament, other than the fact that I'm predicting that I'm gonna win it. Um, <laughs> Is the fact that and don't don't quote me on that either because apparently there's in the rules uh, where it's it's illegal to, to bet on this except for uh, applicable in-game Operation Ace affiliated uh, betting sites that have yet to be developed uh, by me. <laughs> Anyways, um, so being able to look at all of these teams, right? And and for me, like I can recognize 90% of the names on all these rosters, but for the community at large, they're just like, who are these people? Well, guess what? You're about to meet them. Mm -hmm. You're about to meet them fast. You're about to meet them loud. And you're about to meet them like large as life on, on you know, on the streaming platform, um, you know, that Operation Ace is going to be running on. And again, this is going to be huge for the community, right? The production value is going to be high. The team that Boomstick uh, and you know, and all the guys that are that are working with him to put this thing on, like, you know, these are all like incredibly intrinsically motivated people that, you know, are doing this stuff because they want other people to enjoy the game like they are enjoying it. And it's such a big deal to be able to see, you know, all the people having a platform to be able to, you know, be coveted, to be able to show their skills in, in a place that other people can can look at and, you know, be awestruck. And, you know, they see Javen streaking across their screen only to fly into a rock, right? Oh, like, you know what I mean? Hey, hey, that's the time bomb move right there. Don't be taking my, my, my pilot error move, right? <laughs> this just could be a compilation of how many times pilot error killed me. I can already guarantee it. Like, Bricky's going to make sure that that happens. I can already, already know. But, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a big deal, right? Like it's a big deal because, um, you know, nobody's, everybody's doing this because it's what they want to do because they're made to do it and they should be appreciated uh, for their efforts. Now, big shout out to them. I mean, I'm excited to watch too, to see all these, you know, high end teams play the top teams play and kind of to see the strategies that are coming out. Cause I mean, I played a weird time too, where I don't necessarily play against all of these teams. So it'll be Pretty interesting to see what they're bringing to the table that is different than everyone else. We're going to see some, I think, some meta unfold. Just like in the dogfighting tournament where I feel like it was established that the New Republic was definitely better for the community on mass. I think we're going to see something like that at this tournament that maybe we weren't expecting. No, I, I agree, man. And again, like a lot of the teams that are that are playing right now, you know, they're, they're taking it seriously, right? Um, and it's going to be one of those things where you're going to see a lot of... You're going to see a lot of friendly faces, a lot of friendly banter, um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of friendly punches to the face. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe some shit talking or whatever. But, like, for instance, you know, I'm on most of these people's Discord servers, and, you know, I'll just jump in voice chat because there's no knocking on Discord, everybody knows. And so I jumped down <laughs> into, like, Scalp's chat one night. I think it was actually last night. And uh, and they're just like, oh, shit, Javen's here. Javen, get out. We're scrimming. You can't hear any of this. And I'm just like... <laughs> Oh, super secret scrimming knowledge. <laughs> like, all right, I'll see you guys later. Let me know when you're done. You know what I mean? Yeah. So again, it's all it's all fun, man. We're 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 gonna have a great time. And and again, this is gonna be huge for for the community at large, I think, because it's gonna showcase the depth that this game can go. And this game turns out is deeper than Coruscant, my friend. Oh, I like the reference. Yeah, this game is it's honestly progressing so well. I can't believe how deep the meta is getting. And honestly, the additions that the devs have made to the game blew me away just because out of the gate they were like it's a done game we'll see we'll do some fixes but they've gone above and beyond to add so much to it i'm i mean yeah. it's keeping me uh, so excited for the future of the game as well 
And I'll tell you, man, oh, yeah. like any any game that has the backing of the developers, like I mean, Ian Frazier is this is a passion project for Motive and his team, right? So being able to look at all the stuff that the community's putting together with the tools that you know we have available to us is potentially a lot of demand um, on EA to be like, hey man, like Ian Frazier goes up to EA and says, Can I please have some dev hours to like give these guys like some really good like you know spec tools or maybe a little bit more developed custom match stuff you know what i mean mm -hmm. like dude it's not out of the, it's, yeah. right dude it's not out of the realm of the possible man like it's it's totally doable and the best thing that we can do for this game is exactly what we're doing right now is getting excited and getting everybody else excited with us and oh I, yeah i mean you guys are doing a great job of that within all the five mans the calrissian cup i mean this SCL coming up here too. It's just so much going on. It's a lot to be hyped for. SCL, I should, we should mention, is starting next week, January fourth. So basically, going to be underway in a week here. Yeah, yeah. In a week. Those guys have put in a lot of work, guys. Um, so Brunus, Jareen, Apog, Scalp, all, all those guys. Um, you know, they they put a lot of their free time into developing this league and, and the rules that go into governing it and, you know, answering questions every day about it. And, of course, they're probably going to be doing that the entire time. <laughs> Um, and it's going to be great. You're going to watch Scalp. He's going to be casting up there a mile a minute. He's going to be drinking a gallon of water the entire time he's up there <laughs> trying to stay hydrated. Um, you know, it's going to be like, am I watching squadrons or am I listening to an auction? It's, it's nuts to, to hear him cast. He's, he's got immense talent. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's some, uh, there's some pretty big stuff on the horizon for 2021 as well as, uh, maybe next week we'll have to bring on old, uh, Don Delep to talk about the new dogfight league that's coming up as well. Oh, that's uh, Yeah. So that's exciting. At, uh, that announcement. Yeah. 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 We're looking at a, um, you know, a fleet battles league, a dog fighting league, uh, some large announcements coming up very quickly within the week with uh Calrissian cup series as well. Oh, we got some more Calrissian uh, so, cup news too. eh? Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> so Canadian that's coming up uh, probably next week. So yeah, I'm sure there would be uh, plenty of stuff to talk about in conjunction with whatever, uh, hot fixes and patches that we get over the next week or two as well. And I, I assume, uh, you know, the devs are, Probably getting antsy as we were, you know, a couple of days after Christmas. You're still like, all right, here we go. Let's get back to, you know, <laughs> let's get back to the grind. So I bet you Fraser and the boys are after, uh, you know, January 1 hangover, uh, looking at January 2, January 3, uh, they're going to be hitting the notice of the grindstone again on something. And I bet you money that uh, something's coming down the pipe before the 10th of January, I'm sure, of some kind, whether it's a patch or a, a balance pass or some kind of little tweak or twist or um server uh balance server um stabilization uh, potentially mm -hmm. um yeah and you know i think uh, good things are afoot especially for january here in 2021 well there's just i mean i feel like december was a great month for the game it went through the growth that it had been lacking i think through november with all the events happening in january moving forward i think the game is poised to grow again here at least sustain and hopefully grow over the next month or two as we uh as we ramp up to all this stuff Oh yeah, Javen man, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Uh, any any shout outs you want to give? You know any uh, uh, social medias, all that jazz you want to put out there? Oh man, so I'm just I'm just some uh, just a guy making his way through the universe, right? <laughs> but uh, I, de 
I definitely want to give a shout out to uh, again to all the tournament organizers, like everybody who is in this community, who's not just playing the game, but you know who's making content for the game, who's organizing tournaments, uh, who's you know talking to celebrities, like who's being able to just getting up in the morning and teach people how to play this game. Um, you know, people that are doing things that don't directly benefit them, but benefit the community. Um, that's that's what's really important, and that's what's going to grow this community uh to where it needs to be and we probably should talk about the website that you built uh, squadrons.tools slash builder um, and you know there's multiple modules that are in the pipeline for it but currently it's uh, the main place to go to build out your your x-wing your tie fighter your b-wing whatever i'm not sure if you've implemented b-wing and defender technology into that builder yet have you jay uh, so it's in the pipe. I've been busy with other stuff, unfortunately, as uh, developers sure. definitely uh, definitely do. But it's definitely uh, one of the lowest hanging fruits that uh, I just need to pick and uh, and get uh, done. That I've got the fix out. I just need to deploy it. So it'll probably happen uh, probably after after this new year. And we'll have, oh, a li- we'll have a link to that too below in the description there for anyone to check out. Yeah, if anybody's uh, you know not playing the game, wants to do some theory crafting on different builds and name them and share them and do all kinds of cool stuff, uh, check out the builder tool. It's oh really man, I honestly I should I should even like it's really useful because in game it's kind of annoying to go through lodos to get there and do all that. So to just be able to do it where you're loading, it's a lot easier right there to mess around with stuff. It's a great tool. Mm-hmm. And awesome. Green Fox, anything else you want to add here before we finish up? No, I think we're uh, we're sufficiently prepped for next week. Uh, we should be back together again uh, in time for some dope announcements and the start of the league and all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think January is going to be pretty hot. Um, yeah, we'll have to see what's going to happen next week and the week after and just uh, keep on chugging along. Sounds good. So thanks, everybody, for checking out the podcast. You know, leave comments below. Uh, like, subscribe, all that jazz. Thanks a lot for checking it out. I'm Time Bomb. Green Fox and Javen, thanks for being on. This is the Star Wars Squadron Podcast, and we will see you guys next time.